the laws and the relationship of the law and the regulation to the priests. So it begins in the beginning and talks about uh, some of the requirements. I want to pick up at verse number 16, Leviticus chapter 21 and verse number 16. Amen. Before we do that, I have a special announcement to make, a very special announcement to make. Today is my mother's 80th birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. That is a, uh, that's a milestone, and she, she's doing very, very well for an 80-year-old, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Amen. We are blessed. My mother spoils us. I don't know how she does it with very, very little, but she has learned over the years how to hide stuff away, and our family is very, very blessed because of, of all that she does. She house sits for us. She watches the dogs. She spoils the kids. She makes unbelievable biscuits and chocolate gravy. Chocolate gravy. Not, 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 not white chocolate, not, not gravy that's runny, but gravy that you dip into it and, and it just kind of falls off the biscuit. <laughs> and, and it is a tradition that uh, every once in a while, Paisley, Paisley and Peyton both, oh, let's have grandma come over and fix biscuits and chocolate gravy for dinner. So goodness, we eat it for dinner, we eat it for breakfast. So it's a very special time. Just recently, we went somewhere and had chocolate gravy. wasn't quite the same. There's nothing like uh, Grandma's chocolate gravy. And Grandma, Grandma, this Grandma, my mom, got it from my grandmother. And my grandmother wouldn't give the recipe out. She would say things like, well, just a little of this and a little of that. So nobody knew exactly what was in it or how to do it. But my mother figured it out. She watched long enough and figured it out. And now she has passed that on to Paisley. Paisley can fix chocolate gravy just as good as my mom. So family traditions. I appreciate her so very, very much. She still works. She works part-time down here at the school. She still cleans the office. She's been doing that for a number of years. And uh, this place is central to her life, and I appreciate it. Happy birthday, Mom. I love you very, very much. Praise God. Praise God. Very interesting passage of Scripture here in Leviticus. Let's read it. Chapter 21, verse 16. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach a blind man or a lame or he that hath a flat nose or anything superfluous or a man that is broken footed or broken handed or crook backed or a dwarf or he that hath a blemish in his eye or be scurvy or scabbed or hath his stones broken. No man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron the priest shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish. He shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. Only he shall not go in unto the veil, nor come nigh unto the altar, because he hath a blemish that he profane not my sanctuaries, for I, the Lord, do sanctify them. And Moses told it unto Aaron and to his sons and unto all the children of Israel. <laughs> wow. Throughout this passage of Scripture, there is a phrase that, that comes forth often, and that is what I want to title our time here today. I want to entitle it, He Hath a Blemish. He Hath a Blemish. Lord, we thank you and praise you and ask that you would direct us today from your word, bring clarity and encouragement, strength, inspiration, motivation to do the calling of God. We thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. He hath a blemish. For the sake of further clarity, I want to read in the Christian Standard Bible, no man who has any defect is to come near. No man who is blind, lame, facially disfigured or deformed, no man who has a broken foot or hand, or who is a hunchback or a dwarf or who has an eye defect, a festering rash, scabs, or crushed or a crushed testicle. No descendant of the priest Aaron who has a defect is to come near to present the food offerings to the Lord. He has a defect and is not to come near to present the food of his God. Now, this sounds abhorrent and completely foreign to our modern day thinking because if we're not careful we will place a rubric on this passage of scripture and an interpretation that would think that somehow God discriminates against individuals who have certain handicaps when you read this it it seems almost outlandish but there are reasons for the requirements that are given in this passage of Scripture. And I would like to also say this is the Old Testament law, and we are no longer under the Old Testament. We are now under a new covenant. Thank the Lord for that. So we're looking back at a passage of Scripture in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. And before we get at the reasons why these things are placed in our scripture reading, we have to really go all the way back to the Hebrews coming out of Egypt to understand this. The Hebrews, as you know, grew to a great population. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. They were in Canaan land. He ended up in Egypt. And the story of Joseph is that he rose to a place of prominence and he was the manager of the entire country during a period of, of plenty and then a period of famine. And so he called his family or his family made their way to Egypt to buy bread. And there was a reunification of Joseph's family, Jacob and all of his brothers. And they moved all of them from the area that they were presiding into Egypt. And there in Egypt, they were there for 430 years. There was a Pharaoh that grew up that did not know Joseph. And they became nervous and frightened that these people were rapidly expanding. And so they made them slaves. Their life was full of rigor and difficulty. They were in the land of Egypt. Now, this is really important. They were in the land of Egypt for 430 years, 430 years. The United States of America has only been established for 245 years. So the Hebrews were in Egypt for twice the amount of time that our country has been established. That gives some kind of perspective as to how long they were in Egypt as slaves under bondage, difficulty, their mentality, their whole way of life was structured around the thinking of what it meant to be a slave, to be enslaved. But at some point, God had something better for them. I just want to say by way of introduction here this morning, I'm thankful that God has something better for us. I was enslaved by the world I was enslaved by circumstances. I was addicted to a lot of things. But one day God said, I've got something better for you. It's, it's time to come out of the land of bondage and into a land of promise. 
And in the house of God today, I am not enslaved, but there is liberty and freedom in the house of God, and I'm in a better place. I'm in the promised land of God's kingdom. If you're thankful today that there are no shackles on you, no chains on you, that God has freed you and given to you opportunity to worship him with liberty and freedom, you ought to clap your hands and thank the Lord today for God's goodness because he has something better for us. He has something better for us. Their mentality was a constricted, refined, confined because of all of these years living in these circumstances. And really, the instructions to the priests started really at the last plague. At some point, God said, I'm going to use a man by the name of Moses and his brother Aaron to lead my people out of Egyptian bondage. And so when Moses goes to Pharaoh, Pharaoh hardens his heart, doesn't want to let them go. You can imagine he has a very large resource with all of these Hebrews that are working. And instead of, of treating them respectfully, he treats them indifferently and makes their lives miserable. And God sends Moses to tell Pharaoh, these are my people, and I'm going to lead my people out of Egypt into a land that I'm going to provide to them called the land of promise. Moses uh, disregards those words, and he disregards it nine times. There are ten plagues. They come on Egypt nine times. There are different types of plagues trying to capture his attention and to help him understand that the God that is speaking to you through Moses and Aaron is greater than all the gods that you are serving. And so there was not a release until the last plague, which was the plague of the death of the firstborn. And really, these instructions kind of started. They, they take seed and root at the very beginning with all of these Hebrews that listen to the words of Moses on this last plague and the instructions. And this is found in Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 1. God says to Moses, you shall speak unto the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. They shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it, eat it, eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof, and you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. These instructions placed a significant on that lamb, whether it was a sheep or a goat, make sure that it is unblemished. So these families 
that went out to find a lamb. They had to make sure that there was no blemish on it. This was the last plague. The instruction was given and much rested on following the instructions because the death of the firstborn was something that was significant. And every family was very concerned about the firstborn. And so they followed these instructions. This passage has all of that introduction that we read about the priest resting on it, providing reasons for the instruction. The Old Testament has types and shadows that reach fulfillment in the New Testament. For example, in this passage that we read about the Hebrews and the sacrifice and the blood, they were to put the blood on the sides and on the doorposts that when the angel passed by, it would pass over them. The blood would cover them. That's a type and shadow of the New Testament, for it is in baptism that we believe when you call the name of Jesus on your life, that there is a passing over that is represented and symbolic of what takes place in the Old Testament. The blood is applied to your life, not through a lamb that you go out and select or a goat, but it's applied to your life through the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, you would be baptized. And at the name of Jesus, blood would be applied to your life that covers every single sin. I want you to know today that you don't have to go find a, a sacrifice, a lamb, because there is a lamb that is the supreme sacrifice. And there is no blemish in him. And his name is Jesus. This is why we preach baptism in Jesus' name. It is not a tradition. It is part of salvation. You need the blood applied to your life. You want there to be a passing over of God's judgment and you want mercy to be upon your life if you're not baptized in Jesus name I would encourage you to be baptized in a name that is above every name why wouldn't you be buried in his name hallelujah he hath a blemish he hath a blemish and so the reasons for these stipulations these directions concerning the descendants of Aaron that they should have no bodily defect are founded upon the general principle of the law that whatever is devoted to the service of God should be as perfect as possible in its kind. Now, before we start talking about figure, uh, physical disfigurements, let me just say this. You should give God everything that you've got. Amen. There should be a perfection to your worship. There should be a perfection in your time and in your investment to the house of God. You should not say, I'll just give God second best or third best. You should say, I'm going to give God the very best of everything that I am and everything that I've got. I'm not just going to give him the leftovers. Hello, is somebody hearing me in the house of God today? I'm not giving him the leftovers. I'm giving him the best that I've got to give him. The best in my worship. The best in my time. The best in my attention. Everything that I've got. God, I want you to know that I'm giving you the first fruits of everything that I am. I'm not waiting until another day comes. I'm giving you the best now. Praise God. I'm going to give you the best. How about we give him the best right now in the house of God? Praise God. Praise God. Come on. Lift up your hands and lift up your voice and give him the first fruits of your praise. God, I praise you. I worship you. I give to you the very best. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost there. Something just connected and something just clicked. Our world would love to give God all the leftovers. But what God's looking for is all the best. 
Amen. This is a principle that comes in the Old Testament. That not, not only should the animal sacrifice that starts on that last plague when there's a selection of a lamb or a goat that is to be without blemish. Praise God. I want that to sink in just for a minute. If you have children and you have a firstborn, all of your children obviously matter. But there's something significant about the firstborn. How would you respond if, if you were given these instructions to, to make sure that the lamb that you have chosen is correct and is right and has no blemish because there's a lot riding on that decision? And how much should it be the case even in this day that everything that you do in terms of your family reflects the same kind of understanding and concern? So this starts from there. And the lamb and the animals are supposed to be perfect. And, and not only are the lambs and the animals supposed to be perfect, but the ones that offer the sacrifice should also be perfect. This is the principle that is coming forth out of this, this passage that seems so foreign to our understanding. Consequently, none of the descendants of Aaron in their generations, in all future generations, were to approach the veil. You could not approach the veil, which is separating the holy place from the holy of holies. You could not draw near to the altar, which was in the courtyard, because that's where the sacrifices were presented. And you could not offer food to Jehovah or the sacrifices. Persons thus incapacitated for the exercise of the active duties of the priesthood. They were still involved. They were doing other duties. They were just not doing these duties. They could still receive the food, but they could not present the food. And so their responsibilities were employed in other areas. Maybe they would examine leprous persons or houses or things. Maybe they would carry the ashes outside the camp and many duties of similar character they would follow these kind of things but they themselves would not offer the sacrifices come close to the altar come close to the veil and in the holy of holies and these blemishes were to symbolically note that God's holiness is perfect and complete and holy there is a Yahweh. There is a God. There is a nature. These things are being presented to them to help them. The law was given to them after 430 years. And you take them out of Egypt and you're moving them to a promised land. If there's no structure, if there's no lines of demarcation, it becomes like the GBFPC parking lot with no lines. People are parking everywhere. What a difference a line makes, right? Brother Booker wrote a book talking about lines and what a difference that makes. What a great illustration. If you can't see where you're supposed to park, you just park wherever you think, and the next person does it, and then after a while, it's a mess, a catastrophe. Thank God for some lines that help us understand where I need to be. And in this Old Testament, the law was given to help the people understand where they needed to be because their lives were dictated to them by a tyrant. And so God gave them the law. You could look at it this way. We wouldn't look at it like this. But to those Hebrews, he gave to them the law as a gift to help them with structure and understand their relationship between themselves and God. And so these instructions are to symbolically help them understand that God is perfect, that God is holy, and that there should be an attitude and an action that is activated to how holy God is. I want to interject here, right here. We do what we do in terms of holiness and separation, not because it is demanded of us. It is because we recognize that God is holy and righteous 
right and his judgment is right and we don't measure up to that and he has mercy on us and because of his mercy and his grace to reach out and help us take a step higher this is why we do what we do because it's out of love and understanding that God has done so much for me there is an action that needs to take place to show how great and how holy he is you serve a holy God you serve a righteous God you serve a merciful God you serve a God that gives grace but he's also a just God he's also a God of judgment you can't have mercy without judgment everybody wants mercy but no judgment I'm thankful that he didn't judge me that I have mercy but I'm going to respond because I recognize of the judgment and the righteousness of God God is holy We are to respond in like manner. The scripture said, be ye holy for I am holy. So there's responsibilities on our part. These blemishes were to show that. And they were reflected on the priest and the animal sacrifices. And yet, <laughs> and yet the very list, the very list itself tells us something in the list there's I mean there's all kinds of things there it's not an exhaustive list it's describing the blemishes he that hath a blemish but even the priest that supposedly didn't have a blemish had blemishes because they were not perfect and so right from the very get-go there should have been, and, and now that we are looking back at it, we recognize that even a priest and his most perfection was not perfect enough, was not good enough. I don't care if he had a crooked nose or not. He was not good enough. A flat face or not, he was not good enough. Eyesight that was that was perfect, he's not good enough. The perfect features, the perfection of characteristics, he's not good enough because he doesn't reach the level of complete perfection. Praise God. And so there, there, even though there's a discrimination against some, even the ones that themselves are the most perfect, this list leaves out and lacks something there has to be what about the inward condition what about a priest that is perfect on the outside Hophni and Phinehas they were perfect they had the opportunity but their heart was wrong who's who's defining that how do you define that I'm perfect I, I, I meet the requirements of the priesthood and yet my heart is wrong something is wrong with that picture there is no power in the law to give you the ability to conquer the things that the law tells you and so the law may say it's okay for you to minister because you are perfect but it doesn't give you the power to be perfect because your heart could be wrong your attitude could be wrong your spirit could be wrong and so you're not the complete fulfillment of what a priest should be even though you qualify for all the right things you're not good enough the list itself says there's got to be something better because even in the best perfection you are imperfect and there is room and margin for error does anybody know where i'm going with this the priest that is not the priest that thinks he's good enough is still not good enough. There needs to be a priest that's coming that's good enough in full capacity that knows and understands not only am I perfect in my attitude, my spirit, the 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 physical manifestations but also I've got the right spirit and in I've got the right heart praise God everybody at some point was looking for that sacrifice that was perfect without blemish both the animal and the priesthood did you know what Jesus became he became the priest and he became the sacrifice all at the same I am your high priest that is perfect and
and I'm also the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world that is also perfect. So when I go into the altar, I go in with power. When I go through the veil, I go into the holy of holies with power. When I sacrifice the lamb, I sacrifice the lamb without blemish and without spot. Ladies and gentlemen, you serve a God that became the high priest and became the lamb and entered into the holy place and tore down every wall and barrier so that you could enter into his presence. (laughs) There's margins of error in this list. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 28 says, The law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, he hath a blemish. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. The entire book of Hebrews contrasts in one way or the other the vast difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And the new covenant Jesus ushers in and secures for us. In fact, the writer goes to great lengths to describe that this covenant is backed from God and it is eternal and it is permanent. Thank God we're not going out trying to find lambs and goats without blemish. Praise God. All we have to do is enter into the sanctuary and lift up our hands and give God the highest praise hallelujah there is nothing that precludes us or stops us from getting into the presence of the Lord there is nobody in between us it's a matter of you just giving God praise and giving God worship amen the new covenant is something that is permanent it's it is backed by God God will never revoke or change his mind concerning these promises that he has given to us. It is eternal. It is permanent. The sacrifice that came was the ultimate sacrifice. That was the completion of every lamb or goat without blemish. Jesus was without blemish and he was the ultimate sacrifice. Praise God. If you're looking for a lamb today to make sure that there is a salvation, you came to the right place today because Jesus is the perfect lamb. He's the perfect sacrifice. Praise God. The writer said in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 18, For the law made nothing perfect, verse 19, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testimony. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You got a high priest? (laughs) You got a high priest that is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God is a high priest making intercession for you today as the high priest. Praise God. The sacrifice has been given. The priest is in operation. The high priest is reaching in the house of God today. He's interceding on the behalf of whatever you're going through today. I'm thankful that I've got a high priest that knows exactly what I'm facing, knows exactly what I go through. He knows the feeling of my infirmity. He's not distant, but he's here in the house of God today. Whatever you have need of in this place, there is a high priest that is here to make intercession for you, to make that connection between you and God. Is there anybody in this place that's got a need? If you've got a need, there's a high priest that can respond to your need. Hallelujah. 
you. I feel the Holy Ghost. If you've got a need in this place, I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I want you to know that I understand you are the high priest. And you make intercession. And you ever live to make intercession. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our voice. Praise God. He doesn't have a blemish. <laughs> Woo! He hath no blemish. The other priests did, but not Jesus. He hath no blemish. Praise God. You can be seated. Now, what's fascinating is we have a high priest like that, but the scripture said, speaking of John, John said when he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We have a high priest that also became the sacrifice. And the sacrifice was without blemish and without spot. He ministered to the less fortunate. The down and out, praise God. The diseased, the afflicted, and the tormented. He healed the sick, and he raised the dead, and he brought words from heaven. And he was making his way to the cross. And in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, the writer said, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Jesus fulfilled the perfection that even the qualifying priests with no blemish could not attain. The very places where one could not go with a blemish, Jesus took on our blemishes and walked into the holy place, walked to Calvary and said, I'm taking every blemish. <laughs> I'm taking every shortcoming. I am taking every failure. Does anybody hear what I'm preaching here today? I am taking everything that other people would look and say that's a handicap and I'm going to nail it to the cross. And when I nail it to the cross, I'm going to free everybody to walk into the holy of holies. There's not going to be a need for a priest because I'm going to be their priest. I'm going to take the sins of the world upon myself and I'm going to nail it to a cross so that individuals can be completely saved. We've got a high priest and we've got a lamb without blemish and spot. Praise God, Jesus walked to the altar and he said, I am here in place of all of those with blemishes. Praise God. I am the fulfillment of all of your priesthood and all of your rules and all of your lists, whether it's, a, whether, whether it's any physical handicap, I'm going to take the place of that person and I'm coming to the altar. And one might say, well, who gives you the qualification to do that? Jesus would say, I am the I am. Praise God. I am God manifested in the flesh. Woo! That's what gives me the right to step up to the altar. Praise God. I'm going to walk into the holy place. I'm going to be the bread that comes down from heaven. I'm going to be the light that lights the candlestick to the entire world on the behalf of those who have blemishes. Praise God. I'm going to be the incense that rises from the praises and worship of people of God. I'm going to step through the partition. The scripture said at Calvary, the middle wall of partition was rent in twain. Jesus 
there into the holy of holies with every single one of us. And he said, I've come to do business at Calvary because everybody, everybody should be able to get into the presence of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You've got opportunity today because Jesus, he did it for you. <laughs> Woo! Mark chapter 15, verse 37. Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. <laughs> they can't enter in because they have a blemish. And this long line list that we've got here. Jesus said, I'll take every blemish on me. <laughs> I'll take every blemish. And I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to walk through and I'm going to offer as the high priest the ability for men and women, boys and girls, to say, we don't need that list anymore because we have found the ultimate sacrifice. You couldn't get into that place, holy place. You couldn't get into the holy of holies except for the high priest once a year. And Jesus said, I'll take every blemish and I'll, I'll make my way through that veil so that through the veil of my flesh, Everybody can have access. There is no discrimination. Praise God. Praise God. Praise. The modern mind can't even understand that. As a matter of fact, I would, don't do it. But as a matter of fact, if you look up this passage of Scripture and you do an Internet search, you're going to find a lot of people that talk about how God could be like that and how he could be against people who are handicapped. But you know what? I'm preaching today to those people. You don't understand the bigger picture. The bigger picture was there was a time and a place for that to try to help people understand how great and holy God was. But today, this day, there is one that said, you know what, I'm going to fulfill all of that. And I'm going to be exactly what people need in 2021. Praise God. I'm going to be the Lamb of God to them. I'm going to give to them a hope that maketh not ashamed. Today in the house of God, we have a hope. We have a hope beyond this world because there is a high priest and there is a sacrifice that gives us the ability to understand there is a better day here and there is a better day coming because of what Jesus has accomplished at Calvary. Anybody thankful here today for the blood of Calvary that washes and cleanses and renews. Hallelujah. That covers every sin. I don't care what you have done. I don't. It doesn't matter what your failures are. God loves you and he wants to cover you with his power and his grace. Praise God. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by him to believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and your hope might be 
be in God. He is not a dead God, but he is a living God. Praise God. Hallelujah. He is a God that should be glorified because God has given to him glory. When we worship, we're not worshiping ourselves. We're giving God glory. Praise God. We're reflecting everything that God has done for us, and we're saying it's because of him. And through that, we have faith, and through that, we have hope. Hallelujah. Come on, just for a moment. There's a God that wants to give hope to somebody in the house of God today. Hallelujah. There is a hope. Amen. He is without blemish. In conclusion here today, yet astoundingly, amazingly, confoundingly, mesmerizingly. Jesus takes it one step further in status and one step farther in history. When he looks at us, the unrighteous, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9, this is what is stated. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Those folks, you, the ones with the blemish. If you were to look in the Old Testament, it would be a blind man, lame. He'd have a flat nose, anything superfluous. A man that is broken-footed, broken-handed, crook-backed, dwarf. He that hath a blemish in his eyes, scurvy, scabbed, rabbit, stones, broken. Jesus makes a new declaration. And the new declaration is found in 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 9. Praise God. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have obtained mercy. Praise God. You didn't have mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Women weren't allowed in the process. The imperfect weren't allowed into the process but in Christ Jesus everybody is included into the ministry of the priesthood it doesn't matter what the blemish might be that ostracizes you discriminates against you Jesus said you're a royal priesthood and God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light Hallelujah, as we stand together in the house of God, Jesus is the high priest, and we are the royal priesthood. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are the royal priesthood. <laughs> Praise God. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm sure you got some blemishes. I'm sure of it. You may, you may think you look good, but there's something, something somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. The list, the list is not exhaustive. There's margin for error. But thank God Jesus said, I'll take all the blemishes, and in me you're going to be a royal priesthood. Woo! Praise God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Go ahead, offer the sacrifice. Come on, offer, step up to the altar. Step up to the altar and say, I have every right to be here. What gives you the right? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Go ahead, step into the holy place. And some would say, what gives you the right? And you can say, Jesus. Go ahead and bring the bread. And what gives you the right? Jesus. Go ahead and bring the light. And what gives you the right? Jesus. I'm bringing incense into the holy place today. I want there to be a sweet-smelling savor of worship and praise. Wait a minute. What gives you the right? Jesus does. Jesus does. Hallelujah. Come on. I can step into the holy of holies. What gives you that right to do that? Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, minister. Mercy. You're the royal priesthood. Preach the word. You're the royal priesthood. Testify of God's provision. You're the royal priesthood. And all of that is possible because of Jesus. Do the work of the priesthood. The saints of God are coming. The world is in confusion. The saints of God are coming. People are hurting. The saints of God are coming. People need healing. The saints of God are coming. Hallelujah. Come on. You are a minister of God's kingdom, salvation, intercession, redemption. You are a royal priesthood today. You are in operation as the royal priesthood. Why? Because of Jesus. Every hand lifted, every voice lifted. I want us to do the work of the ministry here today. The work of the royal priesthood. Amen. If you know somebody that needs prayer, pray for them and do the work of the royal priesthood. Hallelujah. Come on for four minutes. Four minutes. Let's do a spiritual work in the house of God. Hallelujah. You're an intercessor. Intercede on the behalf of others that are not here. Come on, speak their name in Jesus' name. If you're involved in a ministry, pray for that ministry in Jesus' name.